Welcome to the latest episode of the Tez Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, Scotland editor for Tez, and with me is senior reporter Emma Seif. Hi, Emma. Hi there, Henry. Hi, so today we're going to be talking about our latest big read, which is just out um, on NPAs or National Progression Awards to give them their full name. Emma, why are we cho- why have we chosen to write about MPAs now? I think it was just because when we were looking over the um, stats that come out in August, you know, so we're thinking exam results date, um, we were noticing that there had been this big jump in the number of um, MPAs that were being awarded. So there were around about 23,500 um, MPAs awarded over the course of the um, last academic year. Um, according to these SQA figures, that was a 20% increase on the previous year. So we were kind of curious to find out what was driving that increase. And then I guess the other reason was because you and I had been talking about it in, in the wake of the Hayward Report, which of course was the Independent Review of Assessment and Qualifications. We had been talking about that one um, recommendation, which um, was to do with uh, any qualification below um, higher level being um, you know, sort of internally assessed, you know, so basically saying that only qualifications above higher should have external exams. And obviously that's always, you know, sort of it's quite a controversial, can be quite a controversial suggestion, but we were aware of this, you know, sort of whole sort of raft of different qualifications that um, can be taken up to higher level. So this is the MPAs um, and they have no external exam. And we just wanted to find out a little bit more um, about them. I mean, I guess it's part of this whole landscape of educational reform just now where people are thinking hard about what do we want qualifications to look like? What do we want assessment to look like? Uh, and NPAs look like they, they could play a big part in all of that um, in the in the years ahead. But like you say, we, we took a look at the SQA um, data and uh, various publications they put out and they showed this year that there were quite you know, to be by surprise, 267 different NPAs that can be taken, um, in theory at least. Can you give us a sense of just how varied they are, what sort of subjects students can, can pursue through an NPA? You no, know, sure. I mean, and they're, they're massively varied and they also sound really appealing. <laughs> they <laughs> the kinds of qualifications that, you know, it would have been brilliant to have the opportunity to sort of take them when, um, when I was at school. Um, but, you know, so there are MPAs in computer game development, bagpiping, beekeeping, bricklaying, climate change, racehorse care, TV production, sports coaching. So, you know, the, the list really is huge. And it's and I think that probably a really important point to make is that it's always growing. So something that Ollie Bray, who's um, a director for Education Scotland now, but who um, used to be a secondary head teacher who was very much at the forefront of introducing, you know, sort of other kinds of qualifications by which I suppose we mean, you know, sort of some of these more vocational qualifications into his school when he was a head teacher. Um, interesting, one of, one of the points that he was making was that because National Progression Awards don't have this end of year exam, it means that they can be a little bit more um, fleet of foot. So they can tap into new areas of interest, you know, that would maybe held by the pupils. So an example of that might be, you know, if, if you're seeing you know, if you're going on holiday to Greece in your summer holidays and you're having to evacuate your hotel because of wildfires, perhaps you would be quite interested in finding a little bit more out about the climate emergency. You know, so they can kind of qualifications in, in that area and tapping into that area of interest about, you know, the climate emergency that can happen with an MPA faster because there is not an end of year exam 
And so you don't have that whole kind of exam industry to sort of turn around and he kind of did the, you know, sort of compared it to turning around the oil tanker. It can just happen an awful lot faster if you don't have the end of year exam. And, but also they can, um, you know, sort of create qualifications and skill, you know, sort of MPAs and skills that employers are looking for as well. So, so there's this massive range of subjects, but the sense was also that it's easier to keep on adding to that range of subjects because of the, because of no end of year exam. I think an interesting point I picked up on as well was this idea that, uh, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing that even if there's some reason that you don't complete a full MPA, you can still come away with something. You can still some, come away with some units and some record of having achieved something within that. So that that was interesting. But uh, what do you think it boils down to? I mean, that's a, that's a really big, you know, 20% year on year increase in uptake of MPAs. What, what do you think are the main reasons for that that rise and why, it's, why they're becoming increasingly attractive? Well, Ollie Bray did, you know, sort of make the point that um, there had been a dip around the time of the pandemic and uptake of MPAs. So we're probably, you know, kind of making up for a little bit of lost time. So it's probably quite important to say that. But I think as well, it's because um, slowly but surely, since we um, had the Developing the Young Workforce report, which was really drawing attention to the fact that schools were catering for half of their pupils well, but the other half, well, perhaps not so much. And so, since you know, since that that since that they reported, there has been this um, increasing and sort of drive to try and um, provide a wider range of qualifications beyond the more traditional academic qualifications, which I guess now we would see as being National Five Higher Advanced Higher. So the kids who aren't going to go on to university, which our statistics show us is about half of school leavers are actually, you know, sort of finding, um, you know, sort of something that they they really want to do in school in terms of the courses they take, you know. So one, the way that one of the head teachers we spoke to uh, put it was, you know, it's about giving them a reason to come back. Um, so I think that, you know, so that's one of the reasons is about this, you know, the, this idea that we've had for quite a long time now in Scotland, you know, around about a decade, you know, really since... Um, since developing the young workforce reported where you've been kind of trying to kind of gradually increase the the number of vocational courses that are on offer um so so that would be certainly be one reason and we think as well is that this idea that they don't have the end of year high stakes exams another big reason for offering the qualifications that was you know sort of mentioned by a couple of head teachers it was about, you know, not every people responds very well to that. You know, they can become quite anxious, you know. So a teacher we spoke to, a um, computing teacher, you know, sort of said that you can have a child who's performing really well in class and they seem to be getting it. And then suddenly they sit a prelim or they go into the exam hall, you know, sort of in spring and they come out and they're, and as she put it, they're nowhere. You know, so, um, you know, this, this idea that this, the way that they're assessed suits some young people suits some young people more. So it's kind of, you know, sort of these kind of different, you know, sort of things, you know, sort of coming together to to, to sort of explain the rise. I mean, the way you set out, you can see absolutely the reasons why they're becoming more popular, why there's this big increase, as I say, even in a a single year in uptake. But what you found in the course of your uh, research was that they're not necessarily being being embraced by all head teachers. So can you give us a sense of why there are still some doubters out there, why they might not be as enthusiastic about MPAs? Yeah, well, I mean, I had just had a kind of casual conversation with a head teacher fairly recently, just a few months ago, where we were talking about, you know, the 
range of qualifications offered by schools diversifying and you know sort of he, he, you know, kind of his response was, yeah, I know I roll, <laughs> you know, so it certainly, you know, sort of was not seeming to think that that was a good idea. And, and so I, I asked why not? And his response was because um, employers barely know what a national five is. How on earth are they going to know what an MPA is? And of course, there's more than just MPAs out there. So, you know, we, we kind of were saying at the beginning that this is a kind of suite of qualifications that is meant to kind of make up this more vocational offer. But there's also skills for work qualifications there are also foundation apprenticeships so it's actually quite a kind of complicated landscape I mean we chose to home in on this you know sort of one qualification but there are actually quite a lot of them out there so it can you know sort of appear to be you know kind of quite confusing so so that head teacher was basically you know kind of questioning how much currency would these qualifications have in the real world but the kind of comeback to that does tend to be that often these are pathway qualifications so you're not really talking about taking them you know, sort of necessarily taking them out into the real world, as it were. You know, this is about, you know, sort of getting your next step and getting you into college, which these qualifications absolutely 100%, you know, can do so they can get you onto that next path. And, you know, as people were talking about the, you know, then if you get onto a course at college, then in a couple of years time, you could then make a transition into university. I mean, the reason why we're doing well with widening access in Scotland, an awful lot of that has got to do with this relationship between college and university and people being able to, you know, sort of make that move across after they've done, you know, sort of a certain level of qualification in college, then they can make the move across to university. So so that that's sort of one of the reasons why, you know, sort of they're not being embraced by all head teachers is this question mark about whether or not, you know, sort of they're going to be recognised in the wider world. Um, and then also uh, what you often hear as well is that it, uh, it's to do with the way that schools are judged. You know, so whilst there is still a really big focus on the proportion of pupils that's maybe getting, you know, sort of five or more hires or five or more national five qualifications, where's the incentive then to diversify the range of qualifications that you're offering? Because if it's going to make you look bad on paper you know, why would you, why would you go down that route? You know, so it's, it's, it's a bit to do with the way that we judge schools and have we become sophisticated enough and the way that we, you know, sort of analyse the results to, um, you know, to really take in this wider range of qualifications and therefore give schools credit where credit is due. Yeah, well, it's a really great piece um, and, you know, lots of great insight from some people who are at the sharp end of it who are actually, you know, doing MPAs in their schools and uh, just gets that broad breadth of issues around them and uh, some of the views on MPAs and their value or otherwise. Um, so you can look that up online. Um, there's, I mean, they've really flown under the radar, MPAs. There's not, you Google MPAs, there's not a huge amount there. Well, there, there is now with MSP, so that's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a fascinating read for anyone who's got the the, the, the vaguest of interests in, in what they may be and what they represent uh, as a new type of qualification. And so... One thing, just before we finish off, what we always like to do is just talk about something interesting we've done or seen or written about recently. Um, so I'll kick off. And I was actually, um, I mean, it's, it's used to be before COVID, I was out all the time at conferences, events and meeting people. That's just, you know, even it's not remotely come back to how it was pre-COVID, but I am hoping that this year there will be more reason to get out and about and certainly I managed that last Friday I was through at Lawrence Hill Academy and Clan Manager where they had a really a really good um, curriculum conference and really addressed some of the issues you've just been talking about just now Emma about the fact that there is this sort of drive for change and offering a broader range of 
um, qualifications and in the curriculum and, and, and what school offers. But this, you know, age old idea almost that you then come up against not only the sort of very heavily embedded traditional infrastructure of exams and S4, S6 and senior phase, but also that culture around exams and um, almost what some might see as a vicious circle of like, well, we'd like to do things differently, but ultimately this is what we're judged on. So that these were a lot of issues that people were grappling with on Friday. And there were about 200, uh, 200 people there. Um, Lots of schools from the Fourth Valley sort of area, broadly, clap manager and neighbouring authorities. Um, and uh, really lively, lots of great ideas flying about. Uh, probably some stuff we'll look to write about at some point over the coming months. Interesting ideas around, you know, if we throw ourselves into MPAs, what does that mean for other qualifications? Do they need to shove National Fives out of the way to a degree? You know, are we talking about two very... Twin tracks are, are MPs still resolutely in this sort of vocational track, and um, and we still have this other, you know, quote marks academic track. And how much do they actually meet? And I think that's that's an issue. Some people are getting their heads around in those schools where they are actually, but they shouldn't be two completely separate parallel systems. There should be a lot of cross pollination between the two. So get their heads around that. Really get to grips with how does the change and the reform that's going on just now impact what impact does that have on timetables so some really interesting ideas there about shaking up the approach and you know the quite sort of rigid approach to timetable in schools and certainly one school um again this, this is definitely something we'll look to maybe write about or, or get someone from the school to write about for us soon is just having this idea that on friday we have a we take, we take a different approach to timetabling that it's um not remotely um uh your sort of traditional you know, here's double maths, then we're into French and so forth. So I uh, probably would say I, I need to look out more into that and uh, we'd love to, to to do something a bit more detailed on that. So look out for, for something on that in the, in the coming weeks and months. What about yourself, Emma? What's uh, something else that's interesting or just really, um, you know, striking that's been happening in the last week or two? Well, I mean, we had the Scottish Learning Festival last week and uh, you and I were one of the things that was uh, less positive that you and I were rather gutted to be cut out of the Q&A that followed the education secretary's address to the festival. It sort of felt like that got, you know, sort of cut off rather abruptly. But um, one of the, th I went on um, following that to listen to um, the contribution from one of the government's international um, education advisors, a Singaporean educator. And that was, it was really, it was really, um, you know, sort of a very kind of positive address. And one of the things that he was talking about was the um, way that your disposition, particularly as a school leader, can impact on the staff around you. And basically, if you're happy, then your staff are happy. And if you're unhappy, your staff are unhappy. You know, so he was trying to persuade people to, you know, kind of be um, a breath of fresh air. And, you know, I guess that a lot of the time we can get hung up on, you know, sort of all of the detail about how do our qualifications work? You know, what range of subjects are we able to offer? But it's probably a pretty straightforward thing. Try and be happy because it rubs off on other people and it makes their lives better. So, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple piece of advice to try and, you know, take forward. And if you heard just a few seconds of a growl in the background, that was that wasn't me sort of showing my dissent. At the, the, <laughs> that idea was that my dog decided to growl at a postie that was just going past or something. 
<laughs> no, it, no uh, it doesn't have a happy disposition <laughs> at least when, not, no, not no, when no. Postmen, to, are, postmen are concerned need to work on uh, her happy dispos- disposition absolutely um but yeah no that, that i mean it's just generally speaking it's really since when you when we do see these international speakers come and talk about scottish education see hear how positive they are now always a caveat obviously they're you could you say if you're being cynical that they're being handpicked by government education scone whoever uh to to uh, to come in and have a positive attitude about scottish education but uh that aside it's i think it's it's really useful to see that and have someone with uh you know just inject a bit of positivity into things because you know we can we can get a bit bogged down in what's wrong and what needs to change and so forth and it's probably no bad thing to have someone come in and uh and just uh try and G everyone up a bit um, while not forgetting all the issues that uh, that, that are there and, and need to be dealt with but that, that's great thanks Emma um, really Thank interesting um, uh, and thanks to you all out there for listening to the Tescong podcast make sure to subscribe if you haven't already via all the usual platforms and we'll be back in a few weeks time with a new episode <laughs>